Welcome to Just Curious Media. This is That's a Crime. I'm Jason Connell. And I'm Sal Rodriguez. All right, Sal, we are back for another crime and our first on YouTube Live. Yes, and for anybody who saw our promotional video, yep. for lack of a better term, I am wearing the same shirt. You are. You look great. In fact, when we first came on, you had a mask on, which I was a little I, scared. I did. I was wearing a Jason mask because I don't have a Michael Myers mask. Oh, okay. So I'm wearing a Jason mask, but it doesn't really work with the headphones. I mean, Jason doesn't look good in headphones, really. Now, the Jason mask, is it not a William Shatner mask inside out? No, no, no. That's the Michael Myers Oh, that's mask. Mike Myers. Yeah. Sorry, that's the Mike Myers mask. Yeah, yeah. Mask. The Michael Myers mask was originally uh, a William Shatner Star Trek mask that they painted yeah. My understanding, the trivia for Halloween is they added the mask kind of last minute as an yeah. impromptu, not unlike Miyagi's headband for Daniel right. in The Karate yeah. Kid, you know, a similar concept. So I like those bits of trivia, especially here we are as it relates to Halloween. Yeah. And I misspoke. I should not have gotten that wrong. Jason, of course, always had a hockey mask. Yes. And my name being Jason, I got oh. that a lot growing up. So yeah, I misspoke, but <laughs> I knew what I was saying. I just said it incorrectly. Well, you know, Jason, not to give any, any spoilers, but if you watch the recent Halloween movie. I have not seen it yet. Okay. Uh, it's not a no spoiler, spoilers. But, okay, but let's put it this way. Michael Myers is becoming more like Jason. Yeah, you said that. Yeah, he is. So look out for that. So the day will come where we will probably see the spinoff Michael Myers versus Jason. Yeah, I'd pay to see that one. But it is almost Halloween. It's a couple days away. So yes. we wanted to, as we said on our promo, perhaps do a Halloween murder or you know a crime of some sort. Yeah. And I found one. And yeah. so that's what we're covering today. And we are breaking down the true crime story of the trick-or-treat murder in 1957. Wow. I have never heard of this, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> nor had i before today wow i'm ready but it's interesting it's uh obviously very relevant yes and here we go so we almost need the music playing yeah. do, 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 the john carpenter classic score but on halloween night thursday october 31st 1957 peter and betty fabiano's doorbell rang around 11 p.m or just after so peter went downstairs to answer it and was overheard asking isn't it a little late for this sort of thing because sal this is kind of a late trick-or-treater oh yeah because trick-or-treating usually ends nine o'clock it's done maybe a few uh teenage stragglers by 10 but that's it absolutely yeah. done by nine or ten absolutely now sal as he encountered a taller trick-or-treater with a garishly painted face, wearing a domino mask. You know what a domino mask is? Mm, no, no. It's kind of the Lone Ranger mask. Oh, with the little okay. black mask. That's why I, I looked it up today. I didn't know what a domino mask was, but that's no, all it was. I did not know either. No. And the person was wearing men's clothing, yeah. blue jeans, khaki jacket, and red gloves. Wow. And they were also holding up a paper bag that concealed a gun. Mm. Now the stranger answered no to Peter's question. And then shot him in the chest. Oh, brutal. Very brutal. Scary. Oh, yeah. I started thinking about this. Like, you know, back in the day, you get a knock on the door. Someone rings your doorbell. It's like, oh, yeah, that's like such a blatant move now. Like, who, how dare someone knock on my door, ring a door? When was the last time someone just knocked on your door in the middle of the night? Uh, I don't take that lightly. Well, for one thing, growing, exactly. growing up, Jason, our house had a gate around it. So really, no ah. one was knocking. If anybody was knocking on our door... There was a problem because they went through the gate. So they either had a key or they climbed the gate. Uh, right now, 
a little bit easier for someone to knock on my door. And guess what? I'm not comfortable with it. No, and nor should you be. It's just we have changed. But, you know, 11 o'clock, he's going to scurry downstairs, see what's going on. It's Halloween. Bam, shot in the chest. Now, hearing the shot, Betty, his wife, runs downstairs to find Peter sprawled out on the ground and heard a car speed away. So she saw nothing. Wow. Now, Sal, this is the 1950s, mm. and this must have sent shockwaves through the community. And ironically, the Fabiano home was located at 13236 Community Street, Sun Valley, California, 91352. You familiar? I know Sun Valley. Okay, I figured you were. Sun Valley is in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah. I've actually been there before, too. And, uh, you know, drove around. I, th- I went to some auto parts store to get something for an old Land Rover. And Sal, when I was driving there, I was like, this looks just like a scene from Pulp Fiction when they go to the junkyard with Harvey Keitel. And I told the guy that, I was like, this just reminds me of, he's like, oh yeah, they filmed that at two junkyards over. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. so Sun Valley's got the junkyards and obviously has this crime. And by the way, Jason, for you local enthusiasts out there, Sun Valley, not to be confused with Sunland. Yeah. Also in the San Fernando Valley, you have Sunland and Sun Valley. So sadly enough, Peter Fabiano would die shortly thereafter. What we know about him was that he was 35 years old, so young, and a successful owner and operator of a local hair salon. So Sal, since this murder seemed to be random and the Fabianos weren't robbed as far as we know, where do you think investigators began searching? Well, traditionally, you start with those closest to you, family, friends, work, right? Business. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, exactly. go, you, you go poking around the immediate people first before you go, you know, driving 10 miles away trying to find somebody. Yeah. So you're right. The beauty salon was definitely a point of emphasis. And within two weeks, the police had a person of interest. Mm. And that was 40-year-old Joan Rebel. Oh. And here's where it gets interesting. Joan had worked at the salon and was also good friends with 36-year-old red-haired beauty named Betty Fabiano, Peter's wife. Mm. They were such good friends that when Betty had problems with her marriage to Peter, she stayed with Joan for a short while. Now, Peter grew jealous of their relationship and forbid Betty to see Joan or even mention her name in his presence. Ooh, yeah. The plot thickens here, Sal. His suspicions were maybe correct. Maybe indeed. And again, this is the 1950s. This sounds more like a current crime. But, you know, this is like old school. You're thinking like sock hop days, innocence. But this is far from that. But then I'm also thinking of Shampoo. Remember remember that movie? That was in the 70s, though. No, but I mean that. And there's no murder. No, 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 no. But listen, that type of environment where you have maybe the male hairstylist who's you know having a great time with his own clientele. Well, yeah, sure. Or or other people in in the salon. But in this instance, it's Peter's wife Betty who's having a great time. Yeah, allegedly. Okay. okay, so what we've learned though is by this case and the movie Shampoo is a lot of scandals going down in hair salons. <laughs> yeah, and your example of two, but you're right. <laughs> or I want to believe. Yeah. So having been arrested on suspicion of murder, Joan Rebel denied her involvement and she said 
Her car and her were home that night, hmm. but a friend of hers admitted to loaning Joan her car that same evening, which she put 37 miles on. Now, that's interesting, Sal. Do you count the miles when you loan someone your car? Uh, I, it's not a regular practice, but I have done it. <laughs> have you? Well, it kind of reminds <laughs> me of Cameron's dad from Ferris Bueller. But again, that was a 1961 Ferrari 250 mm. GT California Spider, so... I get it. Well, Jason, you know when I'll do it? Sometimes I just like catching people in lies. <laughs> That's it? Yeah, yeah. I catch a person in a lie. I don't confront. I just, I, I put that away. I put it away. I file it. Yeah. You know, I like filing people's stuff away uh, just to kind of reference it later. Is that weird? No. No. Hey, <laughs> to each their own, I say. So anyway, Joan admitted that she did borrow the car to get groceries with no hard evidence. Police had to let her go. There was not much more there. They're poking around. You know, the investigation continues on and on and on. But then, Sal, a month later, an anonymous tip was called in about a lockbox in a department store that should be checked. Random? Yeah. I didn't know there was lockboxes in department stores. I guess it's like at the bus depot. Yeah. You know, there's the old lockers you see in movies all the time. Anyway, when officials followed up on the tip, they found a 38 caliber gun, which ballistics later confirmed matched the weapon used to kill Peter Fabiano. By the way, was this just one shot or was there multiple shots? Wasn't specific about that. Well, because, yeah, I'm just imagining one shot with a 38 caliber to the chest. Ah, if it gets right to the heart. Yeah, probably very close. That range is pretty close. 38 caliber gun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So who does the gun belong to? you might ask. Well, also, going back to the 50s, how do they trace guns? Uh, is it, was it some sort of master ledger, I wonder? How do you, how do you trace the sales lineage of a, of a gun now, let alone back in the 50s? Yeah, well, all I do know is that there were sale records, mm. and it was confirmed that the gun belonged to a 43-year-old Goldine Pizer, a lab technician at a Los Angeles children's hospital. Ooh. Huh. Now, Goldine was a meek woman and almost immediately confessed to the shooting. Whoa. So it just falls into place. Yeah. They get the records. They find out. This person's immediately confessing. Yes. However, she's insisting it wasn't her fault huh? and that someone had put her under a spell. Oh. Now, that person would turn out to be none other than Joan Raybell. That's right. Yeah. What kind of spell? A voodoo hex? <laughs> Yeah, I don't uh, know. Yeah, uh, Santeria. I don't practice Santeria. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what that is, but uh, she admits it immediately and quickly points a finger at Joan. So now, Joan and Goldine had been good friends, possibly lovers, for a few years. Now, Joan's hatred of Peter Fabiano became an obsession and soon their favorite topic of discussion. This led to talk of murder. And despite Goldine... Having never met Peter, she began to hate him herself and even purchased the gun with Joan's money. You know what I never understood, Jason, are these people who they want to help someone kill their spouse. Right. But then you, you have to think, well, if this person's willing to kill their spouse. <laughs> yeah. Who am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't they do the same to me? Uh, I don't know why these people don't think that way. Well, so I'm unclear what the motive is here at all. Is Joan, does she want to kill Peter so she and Betty and maybe even Golding can all be together? Mm-hmm. Or is she claiming he, Peter, ruined her career? Like, what is the motive? 
besides yeah. hatred. Well, because you have the relationship of the wife and the former employee of the salon, but the, but the shooter, where, what? Yeah. Where, did, where did this lady come from? I want him dead. Will you do it for me? You know, yeah, it's very bizarre. I want to know more about those spells. What kind of spells yeah. would make Voodoo someone hex. do such a thing? So now on the night of the murder, Goldine would act alone as Joan would stay in the car. They chose Halloween so a disguise wouldn't look suspicious. They arrived at the Fabiano home around 9 p.m. and waited for over two hours for the lights to go out. Now, Sal, that's plenty of time to change your mind. I mean, talk about premeditated. They sat there in the driveway or adjacent down the street, sitting for two plus hours. You know, plenty of time to say this is ridiculous. But no, they saw it through. And I bet you while they're sitting in the car for those two hours, probably having snacks, I bet. <laughs> like a stakeout. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you do. Have some, at least some mixed nuts. Pistachios. Yeah. If, if not a burger, I mean, if you're a hardcore detective, you would have, you know, you eat the cheeseburger as you're on the stakeout. But these ladies, you know, maybe they're a little more delicate. So, but, but at least some sort of snacks as they're in the car. Okay. Well, after killing Peter, Joan kissed Goldine when she came back to the car and said, thank you. Ooh. Then after dropping the car off, Joan told her, forget you ever knew me. And then they parted ways and walked different directions. Oh, very interesting. So Joan Rebell pleaded guilty and Goldine Pizer pleaded insanity. In the end, they accepted a plea deal for second-degree murder and were sentenced five years to life in prison. Jason, question question for the court. Uh, second-degree? Why, why would this only be second-degree? Yeah, I don't know. As opposed to murder in the first. Again, there's not a ton of details. This is the information that we have Yeah, at our fingertips. Yeah. Kind of Thelma and Louise here. Mm, yeah. No, I respect it. I respect two people fall in love. And then, but you know what? Hey, uh, Mr. Fabiano, I would like a divorce, please. But then again, the 50s, times were different. Uh, heck, I understand my grandmother used to get chastised in the neighborhood for riding a motorcycle and wearing jeans in the 50s. See, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, different era then. Well, as for Betty Fabiano, she sold the beauty salon after Peter's death and appears to have remarried in 1966. She would pass away in 1999 at the age of 81 in Palm Desert, California, which actually made her 39 at the time of Peter's death, not 36. Small technicality. Also, uh, for the people who like a lay of the land and are unfamiliar with California, Palm Desert is a nice place to yeah. retire. Yeah, very it is nice. Not, I mean, it's hot. It's absolutely hot, but it's a beautiful uh, retired resort community. About an hour and a half from Los Angeles, I'd say. Without traffic, yes. Yeah. Now, Goldine Pizer was released from prison and by 1971 was an officer in the Miracle Mile chapter of the Professional Women's Club. Wow. She actually went and did something, rehabilitated herself, and was an active member in society. And then in 1998, she died at the age of 83. Interesting tale. I love it. Now, as for Joan Rebel, you ask? Yes. There's absolutely no trace of her since prison. How does that happen? There's no trace of her. Poof, gone. Oh, Kaiser Sose. <laughs> no trace of her? <laughs> I read multiple articles and there was nothing from her after being sentenced. Maybe she died in jail. Well, we do not know. You know, we all know about the witness protection program. 
right? Do they have something like that for people from uh, maybe notorious cases or famous cases, post-prison, they want to start a new life, they'll give them a new, a new identity? Does that happen? I don't know, Sal. I don't know enough about that. Whoa. Okay, because, yeah, I wonder if maybe there's, we know about the witness protection program, if you're maybe hiding from the mob or hiding from uh, yeah. the Mexican mafia or, or MS-13 or something. But <laughs> right. if you just want to start an, a new life, could they possibly, you know, give you the, the goods to make that happen? They probably could. But she could have just either died in prison and there's no more records of her. She could have changed her name when she got out. I mean, who knows? Who knows? She was a mystery lady her entire life, it seems. Well, you know, one thing I think is certain, though, Jason, I would say after all the crimes that we've covered, yep. from a misdemeanor to a murder, I would say that these suspects probably have the best hair. <laughs> probably so. Their hairstyles are probably on point. They probably had those hair dryers, that, you know, those helmets that would sit oh, yeah. there. Yep. Yeah, that, that era in the 50s, that's the, uh, what, the Grease era, beauty school dropout. Yep. Yeah, I can beauty picture it. Beauty school dropout. Oh, yeah. Actually, there's photos of them online. You could definitely Google them. Oh, I want to see. Just look up the pair, all of them, the, the two killers or yes. the Fabianos. Just a couple. And it was definitely looks very 1950s. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, just a spooky thing. A knock or a doorbell in the middle of the night on Halloween. You go downstairs to answer it, and bam. You know, you did someone wrong in life, and it came full circle on Peter. Rest in peace. And very sad and tragic. I mean, also, I didn't talk about the fact that Betty had kids from a previous marriage, two kids. Now, I don't know if the kids were in the home at the time of the murder, Ooh. but she was raising these two kids. You know, I don't think they had a kid between them, yes. uh, Peter and Betty, but yeah, very spooky. I mean, imagine Betty, you know, ding dong, uh, honey, wait, I'll go get this. I'll, there's probably some kids and you hear a firearm go off. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised she went downstairs and not just hid somewhere upstairs. Oh, yeah. you know, that's very, very scary. And it's easy to gloss over because we're just talking about a crime, but tragic. Yeah. And putting someone under a spell Ooh. and taking them there and having them do the killing for them. It's a... Yeah, Weird. very bizarre. I think the main moral of the story is do not just go opening your door. No. I'm telling you, I do not no open my door unless I absolutely know that it's who I think it is. And even then, I want to make sure nobody's standing behind them with a gun to their back. So I'm just not looking for a familiar face. I'm looking behind them, making sure nobody else is with them. The only people ringing the doorbell or knocking on my door is like UPS or Amazon or FedEx. <laughs> and I even say... You don't have to do that. <laughs> I go on my account. Like, yeah, you tell them. But occasionally you. they'll do it because it just fires up Nico. Yeah. So it's rare, rare that that ever happens. But uh, it happened in the middle of the night, Sal. I ain't answering it. Oh, yeah. The no later it is. Way. like I, I think we thought there was the doorbell about 4.30 in the morning. We just thought we heard something. Yeah. I went to the door. You just reminded me. I went to the door. Nobody. Nothing. Nobody. Mm. But we both thought that we heard the doorbell. That's creepy. So that was just this morning. That was this morning? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why you reminded me. I just, you know, I guess I put it out of my head, but yeah, that just happened this morning. 4.30, we thought we heard the doorbell, went to go check, didn't open the door. Yeah. You know, I'm not one of these guys that open. hey, what are you doing? No, no, no. I don't know who the hell's out there. So, Although it was super quiet that time of night or time in the morning. It could have been oh, a yeah. neighbor's doorbell just as Yeah, we, I thought about that too. I thought it could have been a neighbor's. Well, who the hell's? 
Yeah. Why is somebody ringing how, the neighbor's How about door? a light knock? Or how about a text? How about I'm a here, text? Let me in. How about a phone call? I act that way with phone calls now. It's like, who's calling me now? <laughs> text me. What, this is aggressive. <laughs> so yeah, knocking and ringing the doorbell. But anyway, that is the story of the trick-or-treat murder. Yeah. That is the Halloween edition, and it's our first YouTube live crime episode. It's fun for Sal and I to try new things and test new waters and reach more people, hopefully. But uh, it was a lot of fun, Sal. Yeah, I enjoyed this one. I, uh, I would like more information. I definitely want to see their photographs. I want to see what all these people look like. Yes. Definitely want to do that. And uh, yeah, a senseless death. And uh, rest in peace, Mr. Fabiano. Absolutely. So thank you so much for listening. And please be sure to subscribe to That's a Crime wherever you get your podcast. You can also really help us by giving the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And for all you listeners that enjoy sharing your thoughts, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, send us a direct message, or post a comment on our social media, which is at Just Curious Media. We also highly recommend checking out our other podcast and visiting JustCuriousMedia.com.